Welcome to the Creativity Algorithm Podcast, the show that helps people and businesses have good ideas more often. Now here is your host, psychologist, author, and public speaker, Joe Swope. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Creativity Algorithm Podcast. Today is an episode I've been looking forward to for almost or probably more than 10 years. We have a special guest, Mark Tyrrell from Uncommon Knowledge, and he comes to us from across the pond. I think right now he's in France, but I think he spends most of his time in uh, Britain or the UK. I'm not sure exactly which which state in the UK that is. Um, but here's why I'm here's why I'm I'm super excited about this. Uh, over 10 years ago, I reached out to Mark. I didn't know him. He didn't know me and I asked for a pretty big professional favor. And the favor was could he make and could he record not just one but two uh, self-hypnosis scripts, um, and he kindly did it, didn't know this stranger, and it, he invested his time. I use those recordings to help me get my doctorate, and I will forever be thankful for Mark and his colleagues at Uncommon Knowledge. Now, before I, I'm not done complimenting Mark and his colleagues and his work at his <laughs> company, Uncommon Knowledge, because not only did I use him professionally, but I used him personally. I'm a big fan of it and a customer who's who's bought many of his scripts. Now, let me explain what Uncommon Knowledge is. Uh, their website is hypnosisdownloads.com, and they have a huge inventory, a huge menu of MP3s and recordings where a person can, just for a small fee, download a 20 minute, 30 minute or 15 minute episode or recording on something that they might want to work on, something they might want to improve. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I've downloaded because I don't want to get too personal, <laughs> but I will say it works. And here's my evidence. And, and many of you all know I'm a little bit off, but here's my true evidence that this worked. Uh, my two front teeth are fake. And the last time I had dental surgery, I didn't have any chemical anesthesia. I was sitting in the dentist chair. What should have been an hour and a half long procedure was 40 minutes because they didn't have to sedate me. Um, they ground my two front teeth down to the root and had to totally rebuild them, including putting a metal rod into my gum. And so I was 100% comfortable the whole time. The dentist at first thought I was crazy, but it worked. And if it can work for me, I, I swear by the products of mm. uncommon knowledge. So hopefully that's a good enough introduction, Mark, and welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Joe. That's a, that's a great in introduction and, and a sales plug as well. <laughs> so, so I appreciate that. So, and your, your teeth look great, by the way. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, I got them kicked in in a karate tournament when I Ooh. thought when I thought I was a tough guy, and I yeah. quickly learned that I'm not a tough guy. Wow. So, um, yeah. so. Let's let's follow up on that, Mark. If you would, if if you feel comfortable, please, um, you know, tell us a little bit about what it, yourself, what you do, or anything that you want people to know about you or Uncommon Knowledge. <clears throat> okay, well, um, we the, the site that you were referring to is hypnosisdownloads.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Uh, and um, we've got over a thousand downloads on different problems, you know, nuances of problems. And each new title comes from a suggestion from one of our customers, you know, then we'll look at the suggestion, see how sensible or realistic it is, see whether there's any research that backs up the use of hypnosis for that particular issue. And if there is, or if it seems to be grounded in, in some kind of reality, then we'll um, sort of write a script around that and record the script. 
and the audio is on the site. So, so that's kind of the site we've been doing. We've been running that since 2003. Um, prior to that, I, I, I work as a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, um, psychology trainer as well. So we also have a platform, um, unc.com, uh, where we train pre-existing therapists to augment their skills in the treatment of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, um, smoking, ad addictions, and, and, and that sort of thing. So, so we have a two-tier kind of a, um, approach to helping people, which is to help people augment their training in psychotherapy and hypnotherapy, and, and also to, you know, for the average person in the street who just wants help with anxiety, nerves, or dating uh, trauma, <laughs> or, or whatever it might be, yeah. <clears throat> so so that's what i'm uh, uh engaged in yeah that's that's fantastic and i will certainly put the links to your sites uh in the show notes after you know after the recording's done um i don't know if this would be inappropriate to ask but you and i have shared a couple of good laughs before we started recording anyway um how can you share with us any some of the more unrealistic uh requests someone <clears throat> might have had for a hypnosis script or a recording yeah, um, can you, you were mentioning teeth, can you make my teeth whiter using them? <laughs> <local>? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, can, you, can you change my eye colour? Um, uh, well, yeah. and, and some really sort of old ones that don't really, you're not quite sure what the person is, is asking for. Sure. You know, there's little clarity in the question. Sure. Um, by the way, if you could make a script or make a recording to make me taller, I would very much like that, please. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's we have to, we have to sort of preface this with the idea that we're not sure what the limits of human potential are. Hmm. You know, so cer certainly I've been surprised at what you can do with hypnosis. And it's not to say and I don't blame people for asking questions like that. No. Um, but I, I would want to have proof uh, and personal experience of making someone taller or changing their eye color or making their teeth whiter <laughs> yes. using yes. hypnosis. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty open-minded as to what can be done, um, but we have to have some kind of parameters, you know. Of course. And as soon as I said that, I had a little bit of a cringe inside. Like, I didn't <laughs> want to mock someone for their hope. Um, and. and yeah. We can't disprove it's possible, you know. We can't mm. disprove it. It just hasn't the evidence there. So I well, kind of I retract my my snarky comment. Well, well, actually, there is some research that seems to indicate that breast size can be enhanced through hypnosis, mm. uh, and that might be because of blood flow and, and so forth. And um, we haven't got a download on that. Mm. Um, and and but we we get uh, you know sort of men asking for the perhaps the equivalent uh, increases in dimensions of course uh, in another area yes of course uh, so so that that's been quite a uh, I don't know whether there's any research to show that that's possible I would have trouble imagining uh, an academic in a university trying to go to their ethics board or their IRB and trying to get funding to do research on blood flow to the penis for the sole purpose of increase. I'd be that would be a tough sell in an academic circle. It'd be quite an interesting PhD <laughs> research, wouldn't it? Yes, you know. it would. Yes, it would. Um, so let me, if you don't mind, um, I, I'm going to ask because I'm a huge proponent of hypnosis and going back to the idea of blood flow, um, I, I know from personal experience and from my academic research, the subconscious mind, of course, can affect, affect blood flow. And anyone who's ever blushed will, will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. What, 
because I know hypnosis is effective. What do you find is the number one misunderstanding of hypnosis or of self-hypnosis? <clears throat> right. Well, I think, um, I mean, there are so many misunderstandings, misconceptions and myths. I, th I think uh, primarily the idea that you, um, that it's a battle of wills, that when mm -hmm. someone's hypnotizing you, they're, they're exerting their will on you. And good hypnotizability means that you're not strong-willed. You know that that's mm. quite a, um, a preconception. Mm. Uh, that then, and, and certainly not borne out by any evidence or, or experience. Um, the another one might be that under hypnosis, your brain becomes like a an old-fashioned tape recorder, and, and you can um, reaccess memories that you don't didn't have any um, pre-existing access to, or, or discover or recover memories. Mm. And the danger of that, of course, is, is that we know, certainly using hypnosis, but not just hypnosis, psychotherapeutically as well, uh, or just interviewing people, you can inculcate fake fake memories, false memories, quite easily, um, certainly in children, and uh, but also adults as well. So the idea that hypnosis is a reliable way of, of accessing memories that you didn't hitherto have before the therapy is a big myth and quite a dangerous one as well. You know, um, if someone has a pre-existing memory, you can certainly revivify memories as well. Uh, yes. and, and we know what happens with memory is that you can sort of reaccess the physicality that you had during that time as well. Yes. So we were yes. just talking about blood flow and, and you know, through the imagination. I, I, I remember I, I was hypnotizing someone in front of a group as a demonstration um, and their uh, trance, natural trance state was run, running a marathon. Okay, mm. zone out when they were doing this. And it was a cold day um, in autumn, in the fall, but they began to sweat profusely. Now, if you remember a time when you were very, very angry, your, your, the pumping efficiency of your heart will begin to, to drop because mm. you're... So you're hypnotically recalling something. So the act of recalling something is hypnotic in, in the sense that it can have physiological effects on you. Um, so someone can... Um, I think it was Herbert Benson, the, the writer, who coined the phrase remembered wellness. And he found that remembering times when you were well, when you're sick, can improve uh, immune function uh, through perhaps accessing the relaxation response. Uh, but you're, you're reorientating back to that time. Now, if you remember times when you were depressed or anxious or angry, then you'll tend to um, uh, recoup those feelings in the present time. You know, so we teach. So one thing we we like to do with people is, is to teach them to access resource states, because it's not just a psychotherapy, a psychological benefit, but also a um, you know sort of therapeutic, a whole whole body accessing of something. You know, um, and, and I've sort of got away from the original question. <laughs> That's you, I'm, and I'm glad we we talked. We'd we'd much rather have a conversation than an interview. So yeah. then let me let me ask this. I was going to ask, could could a person be, and, and from, from my training or from what I know, it's it, while a person can have a suggestion after one hypnotic instance, one hypnotic therapy session, I, from my understanding, it's it, it, the more you do it, the better it is, like anything. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask, could we develop a program through hypnosis to hypnotize someone to be creative? But I think going on your last couple ideas of having someone remember or access when they were, you know, last well, when they were having a good feeling in there that helps their healing. 
what if we could hypnotize or ask someone to access the last time they felt creative? I, I think I think that would be <clears throat> a very good use of hypnosis. And um, and certainly I've used that with people. You know, so I've had people with writer's block or, or musicians, um, you know, who, who weren't composing so well anymore. And um, by reaccessing times where they felt free and open, Mm -hmm. and uh we're making connections and in flow in the state of the, in 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 the zone in the state of flow where they seem to just draw down something from somewhere else you know because when you're being creative it doesn't really feel like you you start to feel i think and lots of people have said this like a medium for something else mm -hmm. like a conduit mm -hmm. um or, or a, you know a river taking the water from the mountains into the sea um you know the water doesn't come from the river and i think when people are being creative it feels like that to some extent you know that um they are just accessing something they've tuned into something that's greater than themselves and, so, and oftentimes people don't know how they were creative after they've been creative you think, where did that come from yes. <laughs> it sounds e egocentric but you might say god that's brilliant you know but it, it almost doesn't feel egocentric because it it almost didn't feel like it was you and it wasn't your ego self kind of doing it, you know. No, and, and so many things to unpack in there. It's not our conscious mind. Um, you know, if you go back in classic mythology, uh, some people say it's the muse that would give mm. you the inspiration. Um, other people will say it's a larger collective unconscious. I'm kind of coming at it from it is your unconscious mind that is a warehouse of who knows how many facts and figures and ideas yeah. and experiences. And behind the scenes, it's just assembling things and periodically it hands something to you and it oftentimes hands something to you when you're distracted, when you're in yeah. you know, relaxed. Um, That's just how the, the brain works. And I think um, <clears throat> we have a human need for completion. You know, so if you and I were chatting about a movie that would seem and we didn't have access to Google to check mm -hmm. and we both love the movie and we were trying to remember the actor's name and, and I'm, I can't I have amnesia for the actor's name and then because I have amnesia and amnesia is infectious now you can't remember their name either mm -hmm. and it really bugs us um, but it's not important but then and we forget about it consciously but all the while now we have um, a loop that's been begun we need to switch off the circuit. The yes. circuit's now in motion and yes. it's still working away. And, and, and three or four hours later, the, the, the name comes into your head, Richard Burton. And it's such a relief, yes. uh, but it didn't matter anyway. You know, and you feel like calling me at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Because we don't know our time zones. And, 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 <laughs> we don't and, know our time zones. <laughs> and and uh, it, it's, a, it's a terrific relief, you know, so, so uh, but on a more important level, if someone's trying to discover something, I, I think it was Kekuli who, who discovered the structure of the benzene ring, wasn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he, he, um, he'd been working on it, working on it consciously. And then he, I think he'd had a couple of brandies sitting by the open fire and he started to snooze and he sort of hallucinated hypnotically or mm -hmm. hypnagogically um, snakes um, going around in, in circles, biting or in tails. Yes. Of course, suddenly no. realized in a eureka moment that the structure of the benzene ring it, it was uh, spherical yes so uh, and you know einstein daydreaming of uh, flying on on sunbeams and and archimedes in, in the bathtub you know yes. <laughs> running yes. through the streets shouting yes. <laughs> um, getting arrested so, so so certainly that does seem to be 
the way creativity does seem to be come from the unconscious mind, a, a prepared unconscious mind, I mm. might say. Yeah. Of course, and I think the preparation, we all have to put in the hard work. Um, we have to have a bank of knowledge. Very few of us, I don't think anyone can have a eureka moment about a time machine because we don't have the assembled knowledge yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully that will happen. And history's filled with people who it seemingly came out of nowhere, but we discount the decades of hard work they had put in before mm-hmm. for their yeah. unconscious to yeah. assemble it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it takes them thirty years to become an overnight success. <laughs> that's that's yeah. very, very true, very true. Um, I've listened to many of your uh, uh, recordings, so I'm going to ask a tough question for you. Not too tough, not too personal. Do you think you're creative? And please talk about why. Yeah, well, um, it, it's a very un-British thing to sort of sing your own praises too much. I, I, I know it is. And that's I, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving making you squirm right now. <laughs> squirm. I, 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 and also there's always room for improvement. But I, I think I think um, I think I probably am in, in the sense that I'm often trying to see a slightly different different angle to something, even a conversation and try to perhaps find a funny element to something, hopefully not too much, um, like when someone's giving you bad news. But, <laughs> but, but you're, you're, you know, so I think there's an element of that. And I think perhaps linguistically I am. I, I do a lot of writing, a lot of blog writing and stuff. Um, but but I, I kind of see creativity, you know, if we define what creativity is, it's perhaps taking <laughs> uh, two knowns to make a new unknown. Yes. To to paraphrase, um, what's his face? Is <laughs> known unknowns and and uh, um, but, Rums, but I, was it Rumsfeld something like that? Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, uh, so you're taking two knowns and you're uh, producing from them a new a new hitherto before unknown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I also see creativity as as in a sense problem solving. You know. So I'm reminded, uh, there's a sort of famous um, example of this, um, whereby it was a castle in present-day Austria, I think it's Horhorovich Castle, in present-day Austria, 300 years ago. And the castle was under siege for months, a very big castle, it's very spectacular looking, it's still there. And um, the invaders had had been, um, had surrounded the castle and cut off all food supplies for many months. So the inhabitants of the castle were having to depend on their supplies, which were running lower and lower. Now, the invaders of the castle, or would-be invaders, were, were sort of running out of time as well. They had to go off and do other th- important things in other parts of the kingdom and so forth. So they're at a stalemate. Uh, now, but unbeknownst to the invaders, the, the uh, garrison of, of the castle was running out of food. And they were down to their last ox and the last barley. And the leader of the garrison suddenly did something unexpected and I think very creative. And, and he had the last ox slaughtered and, and um, uh, disemboweled and he put all the barley inside the ox and threw it over the castle walls. That was their last remaining food. <laughs> and of course, when the invaders saw that, they saw it as a signal that we've got so much food, that we can afford to throw away food. So you might as well leave because we're wow. not giving up anytime soon. So they So they left. The situation and the castle was saved. So I think one way of being creative is, is to think, you know, what is the very last thing that I should do in this situation? Maybe that's the thing to do. Mm. I, I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of an old um, Sufi story as well, in, in which um, 
a man um, in the in the in the days before banks, you know, when everyone's money was a lot safer. Um, he, he he decided to go on a pilgrimage, and um, he heard that a particular uh, storekeeper was uh, trustworthy, and he could leave for a small fee his worldly belongings with this guy, his gold and whatever his savings. So he did that, and he went on his pilgrimage, came back, and he went in, went into the store, and he he came time for him to get his um, valuables back, and the storekeeper uh, pretended he'd never seen him before. He said, "I don't know you. Who are you?" you know get out of my store you know I, I don't have any any of your property and the man you know threatened violence and he didn't know what to do and he, he, he appealed to other people and no one had seen him leave his precious valuables with his storekeeper and he was absolutely at a loss how to solve this problem and he was sitting dejected by the side of the road and a little old lady came up to him a little old woman and she said um what's troubling you and he explained his his uh his predicament and he and he was down to his last few nickels you know and she said well if you give me your last few nickels you know so that's one thing you know I have to take a risk on being creative mm -hmm. if you give me your last few nickels then I think I can solve this problem for you if you do as I instruct you to do and so um a couple of days later this old lady appeared in the shop with these big barrels saying that they were full of gold okay these big these big uh, cases mm -hmm. And um, the man, the man, uh, you know, the storekeeper's greed got up and he, he looked very excited. And uh, she said, you know, I'd like you to store all my gold while I'll go, I go away on a pilgrimage. And he said, certainly. And just at that point, as instructed, the, the, the first man came back into the store. Now, again, asking for his valuables. And of course, the storekeeper, not wanting to appear in front of the old lady mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be distrustful, immediately gave him his valuables back. Ah, well and at that point, the old lady told the storekeeper that her chests of, weren't full of gold, but they were full of dirt and earth, and they both left. And that's mm -hmm. how he got his valuables back. Well done. Well done. <laughs> now, now, to me, that's a kind of similar pattern to the Hor Horovich Castle yes. Yes. in present-day Austria, yes. whereby something quite... Uh, uh, so, so you don't necessarily solve problems the same way you got into the problems. That, that's mm -hmm. the thing, by muscular force. Sometimes yeah. you have to think outside of the box now no i know i'm rambling on here but but you asked me whether i'm creative I, I did solve a problem a little bit like that once and uh i don't know how this story is going to reflect on me <laughs> but one thing about creativity is is it one thing that blocks creativity is caring too much how you come across to other people mm -hmm. and um the, uh, in my early days as, as a hypnotherapist in 1993 um i i um ill-advisedly signed up to a uh i don't know 100 dollar a month in american money which is a lot of money to me back mm -hmm. then uh sort of scheme whereby i would be advertised in, supposedly in in uh, clinics in doctors clinics you know for my for my services i signed up and then i realized that it was too much and other people had said it was a con and i couldn't get out of it and i thought how am i going to get out of it i just stopped my bank payments to these people Who's, and um, they kept phoning me and phoning me and phoning me. And in the end, they said they were going to you know, come around. And, and, and so, so I got myself into a stupid situation. I was trying to get out of it again. And uh, there, there was no real legal precedent for me carrying on paying them the money, but they were threatening <laughs> me with all kinds of stuff. So they, anyway, I agreed, OK, you can come around. And two of them came around rather threateningly. And I thought, what do people not want to be involved with? People don't like insanity. Mm. Mm. You act mad then people don't really want to have, to have anything to do with you because they just think you're crazy. So I um, 
uh, and I remembered someone I knew had been mugged and started behaving insanely and the muggers left him alone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a mixture of respect of, of the insane and fear of them and just not yes. wanting to go yes. near them. So, so I, I rolled up one uh, trouser leg, what you call pants. <laughs> okay, pants in, in the UK are, is underwear. But um, So I rolled up one pants leg. Um, uh, one, one, one foot had a sock and a shoe on, the other was barefoot. Um, naked from the waist up, not the waist <laughs> up. Um, and I was wearing a, a hat, um, a, a strange sort of hat, bowler hat. And I invited them in and they, they looked uh, and, and um, I sat them down and I said, before we do anything, I want to read you a poem. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd written this poem <laughs> and it was all about how I'd rather be executed than give these con men one penny and all this sort of thing. And it was, in, it was mad. It was absolutely crazy. And they, they sat there with their draw, jaws wide open. <laughs> and, and at the end of the poem, you know, um, they just left hurriedly. And, uh, and the last thing that one guy said to me is, what worries me is that you're going to be let loose working with the public. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But I never heard from them again. And, uh, uh, and I could see that one of them was kind of angry with the other one that did sign me up on this scheme. You know, what, what are you doing signing up such a <laughs> lunatic on our scheme anyway? You know, the guy, the guy clearly hasn't got any money and he's clearly insane. Um, and and it, it solved the problem. And I and I never heard from them again. Now, now that, that to me was quite a creative use because I could have argued with them or, or threatened to sue them or, or counter sue them or, or whatever. Um, so I think that was my you know and, and since then i've been I've, I've never done anything as crazy as that since but you'd certainly have to be creative when working with clients sometimes to, to help them overcome difficulties so I, I suppose from that point of view i can be creative as well sometimes and that i mean that is a, a perfect segue it's a great story and i think perhaps <laughs> you could have even pursued them and said i really want to advertise for you and your services and i bet you could have gotten them to pay you even more to not pursue them <laughs> yeah exactly, oh. <laughs> exactly exactly I, I haven't told many people that story because i, I don't know you know I, I, some people are very judgmental they think god this, this guy's an absolute lunatic but it has to be you have to do that sort of thing sparingly i think in life yes uh, if you do that sort of thing too much then then um you know people look out for it and they, they, they do actually start to believe in your acting you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um <laughs> your your creativity i mean I, I can i can vouch for it and for those who are listening um please not just you know not just for your own personal um improvement or or if you're just curious about hypnosis but as an artist, Mark, your metaphors and your analogies in your recordings really help the unconscious play and help the unconscious relax. So when you're coming up with your scripts, your metaphors, your imagery, how, how, when, where, why, could, if you wouldn't mind, describe your process to access the creativity that allows you to make these recordings. Okay, well, I mean, certainly the, you know, when you're using an analogy or a metaphor, uh, or simile or something in in hypnosis as in writing then you want to avoid cliches mm. now if if we the, the left hemisphere of the brain loves cliches and deals with them and and and, and uses cliched metaphor a lot you know well the well-trodden path which is is a cliche mm -hmm. um but the right hemisphere tends to like newness and freshness you know and th this is a very broad brushstroke sort of description of, course, of, of course, hemispheric yeah. differences but as ian mcgilchrist the the, uh, the writer of uh, the master and his emissary all about the hemispheres uh, sort of wrote 
the, the, the two hemispheres do the same things, but they do them in different ways. Mm. That's the thing. So, mm. so the left brain does do metaphor, but it tends to do them in very clunky kind of ways. So I like to, um, you, you know, use when you, when you want to break a pattern, a psychological pattern with somebody, you need to defamiliarize the pattern because otherwise they stop listening. So, right. so for example, um, with uh, when I'm working with a smoker, I might talk about um, more about relationships than smoking. I don't even talk about smoking. I, I might talk about the deal. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's, um, there's a video of me working with a woman for smoking, and she smoked, I think, forty a day. Was it more than that? I don't know. But it, but, it, but anyway, she smoked a lot and for a long time. And I I was saying that certainly she should smoke if the deal is worth it. You know. And uh, she hadn't really thought of it as a deal. And I said, let's look at the deal. You know, what does it get from inhabiting you? You know, so it, it gets to live rent free somewhere. You pay for it to be there and it's allowed to wreck the joint from within sort of thing. And, and mm -hmm. you know, soil the interior of the wallpaper and rot, rot everything, you know. And what, what else does it get? You know, it, it, it gets uh, maybe maybe 10, 15, 20 years of your life, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it gets your, your youthfulness. Um, it, it gets the... Uh, the uh, functionality of, of blood into your eyes, so your eyes dim. It gets this. It gets that. You know, um, and uh, certainly you should carry on smoking if the deal's worth it. But for the deal to be worth it, you shouldn't just quite enjoy it. Because she described herself, you know, I quite enjoy smoking. You know, mm -hmm. as if that was. I said, you know, you should be having uh, spiritual orgasms every time you smoke. You should be singing from the rooftops. Yes. Yes. You know, it should be the most meaningful thing for you. Much more meaningful than talking to your new grandson you know and and i was going on and on and, on. and she said well i don't enjoy it that much balked <laughs> at the word orgasm yeah. Yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, so it's slightly shocking but it was a very it was a defamiliarization process you know it, it, now it wasn't you know it wasn't me trying to stop her smoking because we all know if you try to stop someone doing something they cling to it tighter she it, it, it was me su suggesting that she should do it mm. but in order for her to should do it you know because people should do it if smoking uh is the most meaningful thing in their life then it might be worth sacrificing yeah. itself for the profits of the tobacco industry you know it might be worth doing that sure. you know so so i was sort of suggesting perhaps it is worth it and of course now because of human nature she was sort of kind of countering my seeming to sort of suggest that perhaps the deal was worth it so so that's kind of new way of looking and that sounds insane out of context as well you have to see yeah, a whole yeah. session really but but um uh, to, to get creative, I might. Well, what you find when you're working with a client is that ideas just tend to come to you. You mm. know, you don't quite know why, and it's because you're focused off the self. I think yes. you're focused. Yes. You, you know, you're in you're in the zone, and you're focusing out outside of yourself. And you find that uh, by thinking about yourself or thinking I must be creative, you kind of block the process paradoxically because yes. because self focus doesn't tend to produce the state of being in the zone or, or, or in flow um and and one thing about doing therapy is that you become totally absorbed in in the other person hopefully not in a creepy way but, no, but, but no. Um, you know you, but you are um so so that's one thing if i'm sitting down to write something uh and i want i want to be creative and, and avoid cliches and, and too boringness um i i might um do a, a little task like wordle or or something like that which you can sort of do it's challenging enough um and it can give you some sense of mastery, hopefully, that, that you can actually do it. And, and research actually found back that up as well, that, that doing a small task that you can master, uh, that kind of ups confidence in the moment a little bit as well, a feeling that I've achieved something here. 
does tend to help people uh, perform more creatively in tasks that, that the researchers set for them. So, so doing something simple like that might be um, a good prelude to being creative, I, I think, just a, a crossword or Wordle or Sudoku, which I, I've never done because numbers aren't really my thing. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, something like that research would show that, you know, can make you more creative before doing something that you need to be creative for. And, and you know, you, you have said so many things in there that I personally agree with. I independently have found the research agrees with. So you, you forestalled my next question um, because you answered it perfectly. Um, I, I've said it before. I call it um, distracted engagement or relaxed engagement. It, it's not going to come from watching TV because your mind is not engaged. You're a passive recipient. But if your mind is active, but not on the here and now or not on your goal, mm. that's the, the situation. And, and I'm, not, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, whether it's gardening or running or even just doing menial tasks around the house where your mind's drifting. That mm. familiarity and relaxation invites that, that thing to pop into your mind. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, I, th I think. And um you know, be, being sort of relaxed, but but also doing something new as well, doing new things. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it, it does seem to be that all, all fields of knowledge are in some way connected. Yes. As as uh, above, so below kind of thing. And, um, you know, so going, I mean, I, mean, I, I remember being in, in New Delhi in India, and uh, I went to see this incredible structure, and I was amazed and blown away by by the tour. And uh, I, I think the tour guide said something about the... the um, architect of this uh had described the theory of relativity sort of 400 years before I was, or something like that you know and, but anyway on the on the coach uh going driving away from it i, I was i i wrote an entire blog about the importance of the past and, and not assuming that we know more necessarily in all mm -hmm. kinds of ways than we did in the past and it, mm -hmm. it's quite a pop popular blog as well when i published it a few years late after i'd written it but i wrote, wrote the whole, i wrote the whole thing on my on my phone because I was I was just swept away by it, and I it, it was something in me, and, and I, it had to be written out of me, like you have to remember the name of the of the movie actor. Yes, yes. Th that something has to be written out of you, you know. Yes. So, so sometimes you you get this creative urge where, you know, you just have to compose the music, or, or yes. it, 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 it's demanding to be born now. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and that that's um, you can't always allow for that, but by doing something or going somewhere new. Um, you're opening yourself up to new impacts and, and, and new sort of creative connections. So, and, and being in a rut and doing the same old routine day by day doesn't necessarily foster um, creativity. Yes. I think. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I 100% I, I yeah. agree. The, the, the newness has to have that, that excitability, the stimulation, the, the, the dopamine where you want, but there's got to be a limit because if I were to, jump out of an airplane with no it there's that that sweet spot that goldilocks you're relaxed but you're interested you're excited yeah. it, so mm -hmm. and which perhaps brings me to my last question um and, and before we go i definitely want to have you repeat uh your blog and and your websites but this is going to be nearly impossible question for you for those of us in the psychology realm <laughs> but because of your expertise and your decades of working with it if, if possible, could you describe the subconscious in in a short, maybe one sentence? How would you describe the subconscious to someone who doesn't know too much about psychology? Hmm. 
Um, I would describe it as a uh, vast, perhaps infinite powerhouse of potential. I like that. In, in one sentence. I, I mean, I like that. <laughs> I, I could not agree more. Um, and what I oftentimes ask uh, my students or people I come across is I say, can you think of one, th think of something you can't think of. And of course, you know, that's, that's obviously a logical fallacy in, in a loop. <laughs> um, and then they, they do that. And that's with your conscious mind. Imagine something infinitely more powerful. What can't that think of? What can't that come up with? And so hmm. that's, that's really what I, I, I'm trying to help people harness um, yeah. with, with this yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, let me tell you, I really appreciate your time. We've had some, we've had some good laughs, and there's a lot to unpack uh, for me and for those who are uh, listening to this. So I really appreciate your time. Um, before we go, if you would not mind repeating where people can find your blog and your recordings and, and the work that you've put out there, please. Okay, well, my blog is Uncommon Knowledge Blog, which is Unc Blog. So it's U-N-K slash blog um mark tyrrell you know which is m-a-r-k-t-y-r-r-e-l-l um we have our hypnosis site is hypnosisdownloads.com um and the or uncommon knowledge is our other site so if you just put in uncommon knowledge perhaps my name as well um and uh that's where you'll find us great Great. And it, it's if you didn't catch any of that, A, I'll put it in the show notes, but B, just Google hypnosis downloads and it will be the first hit. I promise you that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stop, uh, press record. So those of you who are listening, don't get to hear Mark and I talk for a little bit longer. So I will see you all on the very next, or you will see me or, or hear me on the very next episode. So I'm going to stop recording. 